Our theme over the last couple of weeks has been that you are chosen. Chosen has been the things that we have pre- preached over the last number of weeks. Today I want to speak to you about choosing life. And I know what immediately comes to mind when we choose life. Uh, and I'll come back to that in a moment. But let me tell you something about the resurrection before we get there. My dear friend, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is a fact. It is a fact. It is true that Jesus died. Medical fraternities are saying it. Even unbelievers are saying it. Scholars and historians will confirm this claim that the Bible makes, that Jesus died. Jesus died even before the sword was stuck into his side. He was medically dead. That's a fact. You see, it would not have been possible after all the suffering that he went through. It would not have been possible to be wrapped in linen and put in a tomb for three days to come out alive after that. It is physically impossible. He rose again. That's what the Bible tells me. That's what history tells me as well. There is evidence just as much as the fact that Jesus died, that Jesus also rose again. You see, my dear friend, there was a large stone in front of that tomb. In fact, people who do, who do all the calculations saying this stone must have weighed about 2.5 tons, 2,500 kilograms of rock was placed right in front of that hole that Jesus was put in, that cave, that grave. And yet today it was open. The stone was rolled away. Humanly impossible. You see, there were soldiers in front of this grave. Anyone who knows who was a Roman soldier knew that these, these graves were sealed with a Roman seal. And you dare not open that seal because you would have been punished with a very unpleasant death. When the Bible speaks about Roman soldiers that was put in front of that grave, it doesn't just mean one. There were at least six men standing there. And these same men who guarded this tomb knew if they had fallen asleep, they would have paid with their own lives. They did not dare. They did not dare to sleep while they were guarding the tomb. The stone was rolled away. Jesus, somebody suggested one day that Jesus opened it himself. Well, that is physically absolutely impossible. I've just told you that he was so beaten and he was rolled in a linen cloth. That means hand and feet and body was wrapped up. And that means that he had to roll a stone away that weighed two and a half ton. Physically impossible. Yet, the Bible tells us that he rose again. He was not in that grave. He appeared to Mary. He appeared to his disciples. He appeared to 300 people that met at the same time in a meeting. Nine ancient, at least nine ancient sources, both inside and outside the New Testament, confirms and tells us that Jesus rose from the dead. Let me ask you, my dear friend, would 12 men who lived and walked with him, would they have been willing to suffer like they did as disciples because they each paid with their lives for what they believed? Would they have done this if he did not rise from that? I would not. If he was just another good man, a prophet, if he was dead, certainly they would not have done it. 
But you know what? They were willing to give their lives for this story. They were willing to give their lives for this gospel because they saw the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They saw it with their own eyes. And they were willing to face difficult circumstances all their lives. The Bible is very clear. History is very clear that all 12 disciples died a horrible death for their convictions and their beliefs. I wouldn't have done it for a man that died. But they saw him, the risen Lord Jesus. They knew the truth. And that truth you and I know today as well. You see, for this kind of truth, I am willing, you are willing to make sacrifices. My friends, I've worked out in my life that discipleship is dangerous. It is a dangerous thing to commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ because the 12 disciples were brutally murdered for following the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, when Jesus calls us to believe in Him, He doesn't just call us to believe in Him. He calls us to follow Him. And sometimes when you follow Him, you pay a dear price. You pay a price. For some disciples, He'll be taking a few people to McDonald's and talk about in a hipster way about this man from Bethany. When the real disciples knew, when they talked about the man from Bethany, that they would die. They were marked men in those days and women because they said they belonged to the way. They were disciples of Jesus. Let me tell you today, my friends, Jesus warned us in the Bible as well that in this world, people will hate us because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact is this, if we are like too much as believers, we are probably not standing tall for the Lord Jesus Christ. Does the world really hate you and me? At least a few people? If you've had a spiritual resurrection, in other words, if you had experienced your salvation, that is, then, then there's a mark on you. And that mark should be very clear, the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does the world know about? And if somebody once says, is the devil threatened by it, by your confession and by your faith? Now listen, I'm making a statement to you today that in the light of what I've just said, is going to sound a bit crazy. Choose life. Choose life. And I know what you're thinking, because I want to give you one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. John chapter 10 verse 10 says this, the thief, thief comes to steal and destroy. I came that they may have life and live life in abundance. And you know, as a charismatic today, as Pentecostals, we have made that this life means that I'm going to get everything I want. It's going to be peaceful and nice. And you know, this was written in the context of disciples who suffered for their faith. The same disciples who were willing to give everything, who would be willing to make every possible sacrifice. Jesus writes to them and say, in the future, let, I want you to remember, remember this. I have come to give you life in abundance. I wonder if Paul sometimes thought, Jesus, I don't know what you really meant when you said life in abundance. I don't have the camels I was promised. I don't have the chariots at my house. I don't have a fancy place. I am going from, from, from nation to nation and shipwrecked and being willing to be beaten up for my faith. And you tell me this is life in abundance? I think Paul understood it because he continued with it. Today, my dear friend, as charismatic believer, when God removes the staff, so does our faith 
disappeared as well because we put our faith in a God that gives stuff. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? How many of you have have received a, a, a fantastic, amazing gift? I think maybe all of us can say something in my life I've received, and when, when, and I just thought, man, this was amazing. There was, it was, there was generous. It was so amazing. Now, can you imagine if I come to you with the most generous gift of all, and I say to you, "Okay, here is the gift," and you say to me, "No, thank you." That's what a lot of people do with the gift of life, the gift that the Lord Jesus has given to you and me. I'm speaking to you today about choosing life. The Bible addresses life on earth and eternal life in many verses. I'm telling you, you've got to choose life and God values this physical life, this temporary life. God values it. And he says, you must look after this temple as well. But God also values eternal life because that is for eternity. And a lot of emphasis in the teachings of Jesus is about eternal life. And we put very little emphasis on that. So what does it mean when I say to you this morning, choose life? Choose life. What does it really mean? Well, let me take you to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 to 20. It says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses, therefore choose life. In the context of what is this verse written? In the context of the law that was just given to the people. And he says, I want you to understand, choosing life means choosing obedience. And I'll come back to that in a moment. So let me highlight four or five things today when I, that I really want you to get to grips with when I say choose life. You see, choose life may well mean that you also choose rejection. That it will come with some real rejection. I hope the person is not listening. But we were camping and we met some really wonderful people. And we were camping with some people and they all confessed to be believers. In fact, some of them used some, 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 some tough words until they knew that I was a pastor. And then suddenly they were Jesus lovers, you know. And I thought, that's cool, that's cool, that's okay. God cleans them up, that's not my job. Uh, but this one guy was a, a believer of all sorts. And then one of the third last night we were sitting there, he made some terrible racist remarks. And I stopped him and I said, uh-uh. When you use that word, and you know which word I'm referring to now. When you use that word as a believer, it's like a sword going into my heart as a believer. And you know what happened the next day? Those same people who were so friendly as didn't greet us. They packed up the day after that without leaving their phone number, but left it to the other neighbor. And I thought, yeah. Sometimes you face rejection when you stand for the God's truth and the gospel of God. You see, Joshua had it in him as well. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. He turns to a nation that he was leading, and he says to them, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers. And he goes on and he says, but as for me and my house, whether you, rule of inserting this, whether you're rejecting me or not, whether you dislike me after what I'm saying or not, I want you to know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's Joshua. 
You see, Scripture says we have a high priest that identifies with all that we're going through. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. And weakness is not the fact that I may fall into sin. But weaknesses may also be this weakness, this pain of facing rejection when I follow Jesus wholeheartedly. As I said before as well, my friend, if you are too liked, you're probably not standing too tall for the Lord Jesus Christ. So does Jesus know the kind of hurt I'm talking about, this rejection? Because who likes to be rejected by people? Not me. I like to be liked, like all of us. Jesus himself was rejected. The Bible says Jesus faced rejection from his own family members. In John chapter 7, verse 5, not even his brothers believed in him, the Bible says. He faced rejection from his own community. In his own town, Nazareth, when he was born, the neighbors looked at him and the Bible says they took offense at him when he preached there later. And Jesus says, I am not welcome here. A prophet is not welcome. He's without honor in his hometown. He faced rejection. Jesus faced rejection from people who claimed to love him. Wasn't it the same disciple Judas who betrayed him and one that was very close to him who denied him? That's rejection. Jesus also faced rejection, my friend, from his own father. When he cried out that night and he says, uh, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. is a cry from the heart that says, I am rejected. I am left on my own in this pain. His disciples face rejection. You will face rejection. If you choose life. You see, choose life means I choose to sacrifice. I choose to sacrifice for the gospel. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some on their habit of doing. You know what? Unfortunately, many of us, we kind of, I want to go, I'll go to church when I like believers. And put all this stuff on Facebook about following Christ and confess that we are believers. But the Bible says, spur one another on to good deeds and do not forsake the fellowship of believers. You see, unfortunately, even over this last year, many of us have now seen Sunday as a day for golf, as a day for family outings. As a day for all kinds of stuff because it's recorded. And on Monday or Tuesday, I will do church and I'll quickly skim or run through the service on Sunday. The Bible says, choose a life. If you choose life, you choose and you're willing to sacrifice. Oh, there's many other sacrifices that we need to make. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, it's through him let us con continuously offer up a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes that's a choice before it becomes a heartfelt thing. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives, Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself up for me. That's sacrifice. I don't live anymore. I live for him. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a holy, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Listen, my friend, that means sexually, that means the way I eat, the way I run, the way I whatever do, my body belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. That means all I am. 
And all I want to do with this body, I sacrifice. If, you, if I'm saying to you, choose life today, I say choose to live this way, a life of sacrifice. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, whatever you do, work heartedly, as for the Lord, and, do not, and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, sacrifice, work hard. And the last one just here quickly this morning and, and, and for this point of sacrifice, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us. That sacrifice, my dear friends. I have worked out that believers um, who really walk with God and I've experienced that in my own life as well. It's not about receiving as much as it is about giving. If my focus is on receiving, I've missed the plot. If my focus is on giving, I'm hitting it on the nail. And then receiving is just, thank you, Lord. And I do receive, and you do receive, but it's about sacrifice. Choose life. You see, three more quick things about choosing life is choose life means that I have an eternal perspective on temporal things. An eternal perspective on temporal things in other words all i'm going through now is just a short while all i can enjoy now is just a short while all i have now is just a short while all i have all i'm going through all the preparation i i receive and i'm going through is for an eternal purpose colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says set your minds on the earth you're not with me. <laughs> Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I find the majority of time we think about how well we can live here, how much we can get here, how blessed we can be here, instead of how much we prepare for there. My investment is where moth and rust, where they do not destroy. That's the aim. Choosing life also means choosing a life of obedience. And I've mentioned that just now as well. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, John writes and says, This is love for God, that we obey His commandments. Man, we're living in an era where old and young says, Don't give me that stuff. Don't lay that on me. Don't make it so heavy for me. Don't give me rules and regulations. Give me grace and freedom. Well, grace and freedom comes when we obey. That is it. Jesus says to his disciples, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's what he says. You see, choose life means obedience. The last thing here quickly this morning that I want to mention is choosing life means I have a tunnel vision. Now tunnel vision for most of us is, is really a negative thing, isn't it? Narrow-minded, some people say that is. Well, Jesus says be narrow-minded. Listen to what he says. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. That's mean have tunnel vision. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. The good news says it so nicely, the Bible, the paraphrase, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. 
on whom our faith depends from the beginning to the end. He did not give up the, because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross. And now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. My dear friends, if you do not have tunnel vision, you are distracted by too many things. Those with tunnel vision, eyes fixed on Jesus, really experience life. I was sitting in my study this morning early and I just thought about the grave. And I read a lot of people making quotes and putting quotes on there about the grave that is open and it is amazing. And I thought about this open grave and I thought it's the only time when something empty brings so much fulfillment and meaning. Isn't it true? When something that's empty brings so much meaning and fulfillment. And I just sat there a little bit and I thought, Lord, that's what you've done for me. The man we have sacrificed. We have done things that I, I probably wouldn't have done if I wasn't a believer. Because I would have looked for an easy and better road out. And I just said, you know what? That empty grave, that emptiness has brought me fullness. I was also sitting there and I thought, you know, the, own, the open grave gives me my hope. Without the open grave, everything that Jesus said or did would have been as meaningful as the words and deeds of any other person. But the open grave makes him the ultimate authority in life, death and eternal life. And that's why I'm telling you today, choose life. I didn't say choose it easy. Choose life. Those of us who are older realize that this little bit that I spend here on earth is like this and it's over. Choose life as preparation for eternity in the presence of God. Some of you sell life insurance. When you come to us and you phone us and say, man, I've got phenomenal benefits from you when I want to sell you this insurance. I'm selling you a, a eternal life insurance today. The benefits are out of this world. The benefits are out of this world, my friend. If you have not chosen life, or if you're backslidden, I want to challenge you today. Be a man. Be a woman. And stand today and say, Jesus, I choose you. I choose life. I want to close by, 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 by just asking you, if that's you, and saying, man, I'm backslidden, or I don't know Christ, I, I want to come back to Jesus, that you will stand, just be bold enough, and I'll, I'll, I'll pray a short prayer over you, and then you're going to meet in the prayer lounge with Pastor Peter afterwards. Just stand and say, that's me, Roloff. I choose life today. Is there anybody? I don't want you to go home not knowing. Just stand. Just I'm going to pray for you. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right? This is amazing. This is amazing. That's why he died. That's why he died, so that you can have life. Father, thank you for those that are standing, and maybe others who need to stand today who have not chosen life, who've chosen this life above life. And I pray that by your grace, as we go through just what it means, that they will turn wholeheartedly in repentance towards you and find the amazing grace of God change their hearts and minds today.
Jesus' name. Amen.